Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, addressing the double crisis in global energy. Prices are going up, and environmental progress is reversing. But what can be done about it without further stagnating the economy? Also this morning, we hear a lot about sustainable energy to power our homes and our cars. But what about the jetliners that burn massive amounts of fuel on 100,000 daily flights? And happening around town, you can take a stroll through Paris on an extraordinary evening to benefit Flag City Honor Flight. We have details on Gilmore Jason Mahler's Wanderlust signature event. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, October 19th, 2022. If you are looking for a reason to celebrate, it is Dress Like a Dork Day, (laughs) which is every day for me. uh, Dress Like a Dork Day, International Gin and Tonic Day, it is National Seafood Bisque Day, New Friends Day, make a new friend today. It is Rainforest Day and World Pediatric. World Pediatric Bone and Joint Day. I knew I was going to have trouble saying that's a mouthful for this early in the morning, but there you go. Uh, Reasons to uh, celebrate this morning. As you are uh, waking up this morning, or maybe you're not waking up this morning, uh, are you one of those that hits the snooze button multiple times before you get up and start your day, before you're able to drag yourself out of bed? I I confess, I am one of those people. Uh, I have to hit the snooze button a couple of times before I uh, I get up in the morning. And uh, if you are like that as well, you are not alone. A new study from the University of Notre Dame found that almost 60% of people sleep in. At, uh, 60%. Well, almost 60% uh, of people will hit that snooze button uh, at least once. About one-third of Americans are not getting enough sleep So that could be a factor. We're not getting enough sleep, so we're not ready to get out of bed when the alarm hits. I've heard I've heard some sleep experts say that if you were really getting enough sleep, you would not need an alarm clock at all. The fact that you need an alarm clock to wake you up means you are not getting enough sleep because the body should naturally. Uh be ready to go get up and you know you should naturally wake up at the time you're supposed to wake up if you were getting enough rest i don't know how i suppose there's some truth to that i mean it makes sense um but i i don't know anybody who is in that boat where they unless you're retired and you don't have to get up at a, a specific time but for most of us who have to get up uh, at a certain time in the morning to get ready, go to work, and start your day. I don't know anybody who can get away with not using an alarm clock. Anyway, uh, Americans don't get enough sleep, so chronic sleepiness could be a factor in the reason why we are hitting the snooze button. It's the tiredness and not the use of the snooze button that seems to be the problem. Waking to one alarm or hitting the snooze button and waking to two or three alarms doesn't make much of a difference if you need an alarm because you're... Uh, because you're sleep deprived that is the issue so there you go uh let's see here the body has a natural physiological response that helps us feel alert once we have had enough rest but most of us never get to that point 
that's the uh, point of the story there that I happen to see. And it is all about the number of people that uh, are using the uh, snooze button. Okay. And by the way, while you are snoozing, uh, how have how have your dreams been of late? Do you find that they are more realistic these days? Uh, believe it or not, the colder weather could be to blame. Dr. Tim Bond explains that generally people who go to bed late and wake up late have more vivid dreams, but falling temperatures are also a contributing factor. So if your dreams have been more vivid, more realistic, it could be a drop in temperatures in the winter months. Uh, Dr. Bond says it uh, can make it easier for you to fall asleep uh, into a deeper restorative sleep, and that increases the likelihood of vivid dreams, more vivid dreams, the deeper you sleep. He said the lack of sunlight can also impact sleep patterns, as can eating late in the evening. If you are struggling with overly realistic dreams... Reducing stress, eating earlier, and using relaxing essential oils could help. So, some of the uh, tips. If you uh, having uh, dreams that are just a little too realistic. It's kind of interesting. Uh, talking about dreams, this is more like a nightmare. Did you hear about this story? I, there are a lot of people who talk about the, you know Big Brother in this country... Uh, controlling our lives and you know all of that overreaching and uh, infringing on our freedoms and so on and so forth. You hear people say that, and and this this story when I saw this on the the newswire, it immediately came to mind for anyone who thinks that our government is overreaching or uh, oppressive and all that. You don't know what an oppressive government is. This is what an oppressive government is. An American citizen of Middle Eastern descent has been arrested in Saudi Arabia, tortured, and sentenced to 16 years in prison over tweets critical of the Saudi government that he sent while he was in the United States. It's an American citizen tweeted uh, comments critical of the Saudi government, was arrested... You know, and he tweeted those comments while he was in the United States. A U.S. citizen, while he was in the United States, criticized the Saudi government. And uh, then Saad Ibrahim Al-Mahdi was arrested last November while visiting family in Saudi Arabia. So they learned that he was in the country. They arrested him, tortured him, sentenced to 16 years in prison. Uh, he was uh, arrested last November, just sentenced earlier this month according to his son, talking to the Associated Press. Mr. Almadi, a 72-year-old retired project manager that resides in Florida, and again, an American citizen, was arrested for tweeting critically about the Saudi regime. If the sentence is carried out, the 72-year-old would be 87 upon his release and barred from returning home to the U.S. until he reaches the age of 104. Again, he's an American citizen. Uh, according to... Uh, the uh, younger Mr. Uh, Ibrahim, uh, Saudi authorities warned his family to stay quiet about the case and to not involve the U.S. government. 
But after finding out the family contacted the State Department in March, they tortured his father. So and we we talk about an overreaching government and oppressive government in this country. And we kind of throw those terms around willy nilly. This is what an oppressive uh, government truly looks like. I don't know nothing about that. Anyway, my goodness. Um, couple of other items among the first things you need to know this morning. The most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Uh, Google Trends is out with their Frightgeist again this year. Each year they compile a list of the most popular Halloween costumes based on Google searches. And this year's top 10, the witch is once again number one. It's been number one for like three, four years in a row on Google's list. Still holds the top spot. A witch costume is the most searched for. Spider-Man comes in at number two. A dinosaur. See, some of these, most of these, in fact, are, are kind of generic type costumes, not specific characters or individuals, things like that. Spider-Man being the exception, but which Spider-Man dinosaur Stranger Things is number four. Just characters and, and things from Stranger Things. The uh, generic fairy, pirate, rabbit, cheerleader, cowboy, and Harley Quinn from the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, rounds out the top ten. So... Yeah, witch, Spider-Man, dinosaur, Stranger Things, fairy, pirate, rabbit, cheerleader, cowboy, Harley Quinn. The top 10 Halloween costumes for 2022 on a city-by-city basis. Spider-Man is number one in Los Angeles and Atlanta. The rabbit hops to the top of the list in Philadelphia's rankings. And the fairy is the most popular costume in New York City. So those are... The tops of the list of the Halloween Frightgeist Google t- uh, Trends, most popular costumes of the season. And uh, I saw this on the uh, Newswire. Maybe you've heard about this. If you are in the market for an electric car, and that's kind of uh, our overarching theme on the uh, program this morning, talking about energy and alternative energies and, and things like that. Uh, so I thought this was a, a perfect story to pop up on the Newswire today. If you are in the market for an electric car, Rolls-Royce <laughs> has unveiled its brand new EV. The Spectre has a sticker price of around $413,000. grand. The Spectre has a range of just 260 miles on a full charge, Far shorter than the 516 miles you could travel in a Lucid Air Grand Touring, which is about a third of the price or less, and a pretty nice vehicle, luxury EV. But unlike the Lucid Air Grand Touring, the Spectre is a Rolls Royce. And that is the point. Uh, people who drive a Rolls Royce are not con- uh, concerned with the specs so much as the status is basically the point. According to Martin Frisches, president and CEO of Rolls Royce Motor Cars America, 
says demand has been incredible. They've uh, already seen hundreds of clients visit the bespoke design studios in Goodwood to start configuring their Spectre commission. That's how they that's how they talk. If you are if you travel in Rolls-Royce circles, that has that's how you talk. Clients have been visiting the bespoke design studios to start configuring their commission. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. The vehicle weighs in at uh, 6,500 pounds, has, uh, goes from 0 to 60 in 4.4 seconds, 577 horsepower, and uh, all of the usual accoutrements of the luxury automaker. By the way, in 2021, Rolls-Royce delivered a record 5,586 vehicles to clients around the world. It is a 49% increase from 2020 to 2021. So Rolls-Royce is doing just fine. Thank you. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. It'll be cloudy and windy today. A high of 46. Becoming partly cloudy tonight. A low of 32. There was a bomb threat involving Hearthside Food Solutions in Macomb. The Hancock County Sheriff's Office says it responded to the business on Raider Road at about 1.45 in the afternoon Tuesday. The Sheriff's Office says the Macomb Police Department had already advised the business to evacuate and the Allen County Bomb Squad was contacted. When the bomb squad arrived, they had their canines search the area and there was no sign of a bomb. Get more on the website. This is National School Bus Safety Week, and Finley Crime Prevention Officer Brian White says we all need to do our part to make sure school kids are safe around buses. Kids are notorious for not really paying attention sometimes, so we really need to uh, look out for them and make sure that they're safe because we do hear a lot of these stories of uh, kids being struck by vehicles while near or around a school bus. He reminds drivers that they're required to stop at least 10 feet in front of or behind a school bus when flashing lights and a stop arm are displayed and cannot resume driving until the school bus begins moving. A driver who fails to stop for a school bus that's loading or unloading students can be fined up to $500 and have their license suspended for up to a year. The Ohio Department of Transportation is preparing for old man winter. Cloud drivers are taking refresher courses to make sure they're up to speed on keeping drivers safe in the snow. Cloud drivers covered more than a million miles last year. They're looking to hire a few more drivers to help them out this winter as well. ODOT crews are also making sure their brine supply and their salt barn are fully stocked. They've got 120,000 tons of salt on hand and mechanics are inspecting their trucks too. And the Department of Transportation says they're still looking to hire a few more snowplow drivers. Get more details on the website. The Wood County Sheriff's Office was one of the winners in the 2022 Light Ohio Blue First Responder Photo Challenge. More than 50,000 votes were cast in the friendly competition among first responder agencies in Ohio. On the website, we have a link where you can check out all the pictures submitted by area first responder agencies. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, we have something of a double crisis going on in energy right now. Skyrocketing prices and Russia's war against Ukraine have exacerbated a surge in worldwide coal use that had already started to erase global emissions progress. So not only are prices going up, 
we're moving backward in our environmental impact. But our next guest says if we could use liquefied natural gas to replace international coal, it would go a long way to solving both of those issues while projecting America into a position of global energy dominance, which would be good for us, obviously, and our global allies. Toby Rice is an energy executive and president of the Partnership to Address Global Emissions, the PAGE Coalition for short. Toby, this is a new coalition, a new partnership just announced earlier this month. What is PAGE and what is its mission? So PAGE stands for the Partnership to Address Global Emissions. And our mission is to help bring energy security to the world while also lowering emissions. And what we do is we provide solutions that will end this energy crisis. And we've got an amazing solution to unleash US LNG. And this group is going to help make this great idea a reality. You know, you mentioned um, the fact that we've got a major problem on our hands in this world. And regardless of where, you, where you're at, whether you're in Europe, Asia, or here in America, Americans and people around the world are struggling with this energy crisis, the rampant inflation, the unnecessarily high energy prices, Putin's influence on the world stage, and global emissions are soaring. You know, this is a problem that everybody seems to agree, from the environmentalists like Greta Thunberg and energy executives like myself, we agree. Our approach towards energy um, and the energy transition is flawed. We're going down the wrong path. We need to course correct and provide real solutions that will make an impact. Unleash USLNG is that solution, and that will end the energy crisis and bring a higher quality of life while lowering emissions to billions around the world. So this centers around liquefied natural gas, LNG. How would this work, and what would be the benefits? So our plan is simple. It starts by leveraging our natural gas resources here in America. We have the potential increased natural gas production by over 50%. Now, keep in mind, America is the world's largest natural gas producer, and we have the potential to increase that by 50%. We take that natural gas and use it to eliminate the biggest source of emissions on the planet. Guess what that is? It's foreign coal. Over half of the emissions in this world come from foreign coal. And we can ask the question, is there a better way to create electricity than using coal? And the answer is yes. Let's use natural gas. Um, using natural gas to replace coal is the reason why the United States is the world leader in lowering emissions. And now we have a resource and the opportunity to do this on a world stage by increasing the supply of natural gas, liquefying it, and shipping it around the world to eliminate the use of foreign coal. In doing so, we are going to create a massive surplus of energy surging through our borders, that's going to bring tremendous amount of energy security and lower prices to Americans because exports mean surplus. And this amount of energy on the world stage is going to have the environmental impact equivalent to electrifying every vehicle in the country, putting solar panels on every house in America, and also doubling U.S. wind capacity combined. It's absolutely massive. There's nothing bigger. That's why we call Unleashing U.S. LNG the biggest green initiative on the planet. And it's also going to be the biggest energy security blanket and key to low prices for Americans and our allies around the world. Okay, so uh, if we uh, agree with the concept that this is a game changer, it's not as simple, though, as just flipping a switch. 
what infrastructure would be needed to accomplish these goals? What kind of investments and what kind of time frame would that, like I said, it's not a switch. Would this take a decade, a generation? Yeah, so, so to make this great idea a reality, we need, you know, really one thing. We need access to more pipeline infrastructure. That is the key. That is the missing piece that's preventing us from adding more supply to create the surplus, to create the exports, to lower emissions, and provide energy security to the world. Now, the good news is um, this building pipeline infrastructure is something that we've done here in the United States. We've built over 2 million miles of pipelines in the United States. We're not doing anything new. But um, in the past five years, there's been a significant opposition to pipeline construction here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Why are people opposing pipelines? It's because people have concerns over climate. And people are scared about climate, but when we show them that these pipelines are actually the biggest decarbonizing thing that we can do for the world, we're asking people to recognize that you've been blocking pipelines because of your concern for the environment. We're saying you should be supporting pipelines because of your concern for the environment. With this pipeline infrastructure, the, uh, the guys that drill wells, like myself, we're ready to go. In the United States, um, we've been able to increase our production over 10 BCF a day. That's 10% of U.S. volumes in one year. So this is going to, uh, the amount of energy that we're talking about bringing to the world is a 50% increase in natural gas. That's about 55 BCF a day of natural gas. We can get this stuff out of the ground. But the limiting factors and how fast can we build these pipelines and ultimately the energy facilities it takes to create this exports, create the surplus so we can export it around the world. So let me we play full cooperation. We can get this. Yeah. I was just going to say, we can get this stuff done. I mean, it's, we, we can, we can build things quickly in this country with full cooperation. We can make serious impact and progress in less than 24 months. Um, but it's really just needs the cooperation and the regulatory reform to be able to get these permits in hand so we can get this infrastructure built. Fair enough. Uh, let me play a devil's advocate here, though, uh, because constructing pipelines isn't cheap, and already extracting natural gas, the cost of that uh, has been uh, on the rise. So does that counterbalance the, the cost of the investments that will be needed and the cost of simply extracting natural gas uh, trending the way it is? Does that offset the price benefits that we're talking about? I'm, I'm saying is, is America's largest natural gas producer, energy prices right now are unnecessarily high. And the reasons why they're high is because of then the opposition and, and the attacks against um, energy infrastructure. With this infrastructure, we can keep energy cheap. And here's an example. This, this plan that we're putting together to unleash U.S. energy is the most sustainable thing that we can do. And when we talk about sustainability, we're not just talking about good for the environment. We're talking about this is good for the world. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be value creating for energy consumers around the world. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be profitable for industry to be able to do it. We can put natural gas on the doorstep of Europe for a cost of $12. And that would imply a $4 gas price here in the United States. For consumers like that, well, in Europe, I think they'd be doing backflips because they're currently paying $50 for their natural gas. We can give it to them for 12 and in the United States, gas prices are currently 50% higher at over $6 for their natural gas. We can deliver that to them for $4. American consumers would be thrilled. 
And American manufacturers here would be really excited because we've now created a situation where they can get their energy at a cost that's two and a half times lower than anywhere else in the world. It's going to set up a manufacturing renaissance here in America. And even at those prices where we are saving energy consumers trillions of dollars, those are at price levels where industry can still generate modest returns, which means that we can pay for this ourselves. We are not asking the government for a dime. This will not cost the American taxpayer a nickel. The one thing that we need though, to make this a reality is what we are asking for is support for unleashed US LNG and more support to help us get this pipeline infrastructure built so we can end this energy crisis. Again, Toby Rice is an energy executive president of the Partnership to Address Global Emissions, or PAGE for short. Where do we learn more about your organization and uh, this effort, this advocacy? There's two places to check out um, for the coalition. PageCoalition.com um, is a website that we're um, showcasing our, our partners that we've put together um, in the solutions and our progress on how we're making this great idea a reality to unleash US LNG. And then on our company website, EQT.com, we have more details behind Unleash US LNG and why it is the biggest green initiative on the planet. So check out those, those two places and share it. Help us spread awareness because uh, we have a real solution to end this energy crisis. We just need some more cooperation and support that we can do the great work that we do to provide energy security to the world and address global emissions. Mr. Rice, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot. You know, this is something I've actually wondered about many times. We hear so much about sustainable energy these days, whether it's powering our homes, powering our cars. What about aviation? You know, there are about 100,000 flights that take off and land every day around the world, and they burn a lot of fuel. Well, Kevin O'Neill is senior business leader at Honeywell. And Kevin, is there such a thing as sustainable aviation fuel? I mean, does that exist? Yeah, it, it actually does exist. And that is the way to decarbonize the uh, aviation sector, because um, as you mentioned, things like homes, you know, electric power, automobiles, you can envision ways to decarbonize those with electrification, with solar, wind, mm -hmm. etc. Airplanes is a lot is a lot more difficult. Um, you know, you need the density, the energy density that's in fuels to get an airplane with packed with people from point A to point B, especially when you talk about long distances. Right. So the way to do that um, and to reduce carbon emissions and reduce greenhouse gas emissions in the sector is to uh, uh, use a lower uh, greenhouse gas emitting fuel and that's basically replacing you know fossil fuel based uh aviation fuel which is kind of what's currently used today with something that's more sustainable something that's organic based uh from let's say an oil grease um or uh you know biomass from you know agricultural or uh or, or um forest or residual material or mm -hmm. what we're launching right now is from ethanol which ethanol is also an organically based material it significantly reduces the carbon intensity of aviation fuel and enables you know today 
you know, with technology available today on the order of 50 to 80 percent, let's say, lower carbon emissions from an airplane flying so, from point A to point B. So that is uh, pretty substantial. Um, so that was actually going to be uh, my next question is how uh, is this produced? Is it similar to the ethanol that we blend with gasoline that we put in, into our cars or is this uh, uh, different than that somehow? Yeah, the ethanol that can be used for the new technology we're launching basically is um, is the same ethanol that's produced today for gasoline blending. Um, it's, that's the main purpose that uh, for ethanol today. It doesn't have to. It doesn't require a change in the actual ethanol itself. Um, where ethanol producers can can really improve the quality of their of their ethanol ultimately as a feedstock for renewable fuels is to reduce the carbon intensity of the ethanol itself. Um, carbon capture from, let's say, the fermentation process when you're, you're talking about corn ethanol um, can significantly reduce the carbon footprint of, of an ethanol that's produced today without, you know, modifying, without changing the ethanol itself. Um, there are things even in the agricultural space that can be done to reduce the carbon intensity ultimately of the ethanol. And yeah. those kinds of things just make the ethanol a, a better feedstock uh, for a lower carbon, an even lower carbon, um, you know, uh, aviation fuel. Yeah, because there are actually a, a couple of components here on the producer side for ethanol producers. Uh, what does a growing expansion of sustainable aviation fuel mean? What is uh, what does this mean for, on the on the producer side? So on the producer side, for sure, it means a sustained long-term demand for their product. Because if you look at, you know, the gasoline market, you know, with blend walls, with, um, you know, long-term forecasts for demand of gasoline uh, to, to stabilize and then ultimately decline, um, that ethanol really is, is going to be looking for a, a home. And uh, pivoting and, you know, producing aviation fuel from that ethanol is just basically an alternate use for it. So it's going to ultimately, you know, main, you know, keep the ethanol uh, market, you know, robust in terms of demand mm -hmm. uh, for the foreseeable future. That's probably the main impact to the ethanol industry. And then uh, on the uh, aviation industry side, the other side of this, again, as we compare it to the push toward alternative energy that we've seen in the automotive sector, that industry has fully embraced this. What about the aviation industry? Are, are they on board with uh, moving to this sustainable, more sustainable uh, aviation fuel? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, airlines are fully embracing this. You're seeing all, all over um, airlines are sourcing very large quantities of sustainable aviation fuel to decarbonize their operations. That's, that's a major priority from just about every airline nowadays. Um, you know, the sustainable aviation fuel today, the, the, the issue really is, is supply. Um, how do we make more of it? And these new feedstocks, especially ethanol, enable that and really just unlock the ability to, to make a lot more sustainable aviation fuel available, ultimately to meet government targets, to meet, um, you know, uh, corporation, what their targets to decarbonize. And, and really, that's, that's, that's really the, the, the main driver of these, of these new routes to making SAS. Again, for the industry uh, on that side of things, again, comparing this to what we are familiar with in the automobile industry, uh, there had to be changes made to uh, vehicle engines in order to work well with 
higher blends of ethanol uh, in automotive engines. Was there uh, the same type of necessity to uh, upgrade uh, the equipment, the the engines uh, within an airline's fleet in order to fully embrace uh, this type of sustainable uh, aviation fuel? So sustainable aviation fuel is is virtually the same in terms of, you know, on, on a chemical basis with jet fuel that's produced from fossil. It's got the I same see. molecules in it. It's basically, they burn, they, they liberate this, you know, very, very similar, same amount of heat. Okay. Uh, sustainable aviation fuel is also blended up to 50% in, in, in blends to, to produce, you know, what actually goes into an airplane. Yeah. And that material, the blended material has to meet all jet specifications. That industry is very, uh, highly regulated in terms of you know the fuels have to meet requirements and, and specifications and um, and that's all met with the current uh, you know structure to to implement sustainable aviation fuel. So it doesn't require changes in aircraft equipment. It doesn't require any of that uh, to enable all this sustainable aviation fuel. You know to basically convert from uh, fossil based jet to yeah. the sustainable aviation. So it uh, should be even easier to embrace. So let's say, again, that I'm a producer right now uh, of uh, uh, material for uh, ethanol. Um, and, you know, this is going to a plant, again, to be blended with uh, automotive uh, gasoline. What do I have to do in order to uh, either expand that uh, production uh, into aviation fuel or... Um, or transition from producing for automotive blends to uh, aircraft uh, fuel? So there are a couple of ways that the uh, ethanol to jet technology can be deployed. One is by producing the jet directly at the source um, where, the, where the ethanol is produced. So the mm-hmm. ethanol tends to be produced in, in rural areas. You know, right. Maybe they're not you know, so much located where, let's say, refining you know, capacity where a lot of that infrastructure exists. Um, so it's, it's a little bit remote. So building an ethanol to jet plant, let's say either, you know, alongside a, an existing ethanol plant is something that can easily be done to enable the ethanol producer then to kind of grow his footprint and produce um, the jet as opposed to just producing the, the ethanol or the, the, um, the ethanol producer can sell his ethanol to a refiner who then could install the ethanol to jet equipment within a existing oil refinery, um, you know, and can convert existing equipment that maybe is idle because gasoline demand, let's say, is is reducing. Um, he now has some equipment he can do what we call a brownfield, um, you know, adoption of this new technology. He could use existing equipment to minimize the cost of in, of deploying it. Hmm. That's the kind of thing that uh, we see as a probable. Uh, pathway for this technology to be used is with you know existing refiners who are very comfortable producing jet fuel. They've yeah. got uh, good market distributions for that, and to to take in ethanol and ultimately convert it. But we certainly see ethanol producers themselves considering getting into actually producing the jet fuel themselves. Yeah. Uh, sustainable energy, uh, not just the future for powering our homes, our cars, but also uh, airplanes. Again, Kevin O'Neill, Senior Business Leader at Honeywell. Real quickly, where do we get uh, more information uh, about all of this technology? PMT.honeywell.com. 
Um, and our sustainability page uh, talks all about the areas that Honeywell is, is, is innovating in sustainability as well as our renewable fuel space that talks all about the uh, ethanol to jet technology. Kevin, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Chris. Glad to, glad to be here. You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update of the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. A woman from Kentucky uh, is now behind bars after getting into an argument with her cousin after he borrowed one of her um, personal adult toys and refused to give it back. Oh, my goodness. Uh, 34-year-old Crystal Denham uh, apparently really wanted her prized possession back and uh, ended up stabbing her cousin and neighbor, Michael Barton, uh, in the uh, in the argument. Uh, police say that uh, uh, the pair got into an argument over... It, well, court documents did not disclose what kind of uh, personal adult toy uh, prompted the fight, uh, but the argument escalated before police got there to the point where uh, Ms. Denham stabbed Mr. Barton. Uh, apparently, uh, he wouldn't return whatever uh, <clears throat> the prized possession was, and so she retaliated with a, a kitchen knife. Although this happened, uh, this escalated uh, very quickly to the point where kitchen cutlery was uh, was involved by the time police got there. Uh, the cops say the uh, Mr. Barton's injuries were minor. He uh, declined medical treatment. Ms. Denham, nonetheless, was charged with felony assault, and she has uh, she is now facing up to a year behind bars. All over a... Uh, personal <clears throat> intimate adult toy <laughs> that her cousin took and wouldn't give back <laughs> would have to be a story out of Kentucky wouldn't it it would just have to be so. um this from uh, Palmdale California happened early on Sunday morning this is our dumb criminal of the day uh the would-be thief that was outsmarted by an ATM was most likely this person figured it to be an easy score. Uh, news reports are that a thief or thieves rigged an explosive to detonate a Bank of America ATM there in Palmdale. Uh, while this uh, individual or individuals succeeded in damaging the machine, the cash dispenser declined to give them any money. Uh, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department arrived to find debris all around the explosion site, <laughs> but no cash was taken. <laughs> the suspect or suspects remain at large. No injuries reported. As for the machine, it is currently out of service. <laughs> That's like uh, one of those uh, Wiley Coyote cartoons, isn't it? I mean, you can see that... <laughs> blowing up the ATM, but no, still no cash. 
<laughs> well, the Looney Tunes uh, cartoons. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> now, it's it's probably true that there's no job where you want to show up inebriated for work. I mean, I think that would get you into trouble regardless of what your job is. But then there are some jobs where you really don't want to be drunk at work. According to police in, where is this? It says Powell County, but I don't know uh, what state. <laughs> That's weird on this uh, story. We're Powell County, but no uh, dateline as to where Powell County is. But uh, anyway, a Powell County 911 dispatcher is now facing charges for allegedly being inebriated on the job. A female dispatcher had slurred speech over the radio on Sunday afternoon. Uh, that uh, raised suspicions of officers who went to the dispatch center and found her uh, three sheets to the wind. She was arrested on charges of alcohol intoxication in a public place and official misconduct. Arrest records show she had a blood alcohol level over two times the legal limit, and police say she looked glazed over and smelled of alcohol. Nine one one dispatcher. They <clears throat> said there's there's no job where you want to be drunk on the job, but then there are some jobs where you really don't want to be drunk on the job, and that's one of them. That's, uh, let's see. From the international file, the uh, broken news. This from Japan, where, where the nation's oldest toilet was damaged Monday morning when a driver accidentally backed into it. Which, uh, what's interesting about this is that the driver is from an organization which is charged with protecting cultural relics. Uh, the fact that it is the oldest toilet in Japan and uh, that it is so revered uh, is interesting enough. But this is an organization which is supposed to protect cultural relics like that actually backed into it and damaged it. The 30-year-old man who works with the Kyoto Heritage Preservation Association inadvertently accelerated while his vehicle was in reverse and the car crashed through the wooden door of the Tofukuji Temple in Kyoto and struck the communal commode, uh, which is known as the oldest in Japan. The unnamed worker immediately called police officers after striking the centuries-old commode. And thankfully, the Zen Buddhist temple was empty at the time of the incident. The driver escaped the accident unscathed, so no one hurt the restroom was built around 500 years ago during the Muromachi period for trainee monks. Pretty historically significant site. <laughs> Damaged by somebody who's supposed to preserve just those types of things. So that's, that's embarrassing. <clears throat> He's probably looking for uh, new work as well, but at least he wasn't drunk. It was... Just an honest mistake. Uh, story out of Florida, because we always have to have a story out of Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis being asked to suspend a local mayor over allegations that the mayor attacked 
a political candidate with a rake. <laughs> a competing candidate. Uh, commissioners want uh, India... Uh, Indy Atlantic Mayor Dave Berkman out of office after he was charged with battery for allegedly striking a political candidate with a rake during a Hurricane Ian cleanup event at Orlando Park late last month. (laughs) No word on what triggered the incident. But uh, either way, whether he removes the mayor or not remains to be seen. But either way, uh, this... uh, Individual Mayor Dave Berkman is not running for re-election, and he'll be replaced in early December anyway. So, probably doesn't matter. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why he didn't run for another term. He's around whacking political candidates with a rake. <clears throat> that sounds par for the course in Florida. And finally, the uh, broken news this morning, a little closer to home. A former NFL running back is under fire. After hosting an event at a Michigan high school that featured a rapper performing with a stripper. (laughs) At at Mount Clemens High School, north of Detroit. Uh, Quentin Hines was holding a charity event for his uh, company, Rivals Recruiting Worldwide. uh, When a rapper that he had hired to perform brought a woman with him who began dancing while wearing a minimal amount of clothing Right there on the school's basketball court. (laughs) Mr. Hines said he had no idea the man was bringing a stripper with him. And video of the incident has since made its rounds around the Internet. Superintendent Monique Beals said that uh, this kind of behavior is not tolerated in her district. And uh, she said a full review of the incident will be conducted. (laughs) But on the upside, the kids had never been uh, more... uh, you know, paid closer attention to a, a, an assembly ever in the school's history. There you go. <laughs> that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. And yet another major brand just announced it's halting all social media advertising. The two most overused and abused words in advertising are truth and trust. They are the two most precious commodities for all brands, big and small. As an advertiser, you have to trust your partners to protect your brand's truth using the media consumer's trust. Radio, it's on. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. How much more would you be willing to pay for a product if you know it's a quality product that's going to last a lifetime? I mean, that is the the constant struggle, isn't it? Uh, deciding, you know, whether to spend the extra money for something that is more likely to last than a cheap product that is uh, going to break down after a you know a short lifespan. A new poll of 2,000 adults, on average, people would pay 108% more for an item they're shopping for, provided it would last at least 20 years. It'd be worth more than double the price if it would last 20 years or more. Three in five in the survey claim that they are more inclined to spend money on quality items than something that is cheaper 
in both price and quality. Items that last the longest were reportedly the most valuable uh, to 69% of those in the survey. So quality trumping price uh, just about across the board in, in the vast majority of cases, 69%. Respondents have felt that way. 61% even believe some of the oldest things they own are ageless, seemingly always in style and always useful. Commissioned by slick deals and conducted by one poll, the study finds the average person has held on to their oldest owned items for 15 years. Uh, so if you think about all of the things that you own... Uh, the uh, oldest item is, on average, 15 years. So happening around town here next week, you are invited to take a stroll through Paris. Through Gay Paris, an extraordinary evening to benefit Flag City Honor Flight. It is the Wanderlust signature event from Gilmore Jason Mahler. Joining us from a GJM is Tracy Kennedy and uh, Bob Weinberg of uh, Flag City Honor Flight, uh, as we mentioned, the uh, beneficiary uh, of uh, this uh, event. And uh, first of all, Tracy, give us the uh, details on Wanderlust. <laughs> I love That's the name. Wee wee. I just, uh, I wee wee. It is. It's cool. That's sort of our overall theme in every uh, year we do that we Throw mm-hmm. this event, we change up the yeah. location, mm-hmm. and this year we chose Paris. Paris. So, yeah, uh, Friday, October 28th, down at the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, doors are going to open at 530. Uh, we're going to have Parisian food from the bistro, some champagne. Uh, I'm told it is like authentic French champagne. I mean, this is like the the real thing. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh yes, so, it is champagne, not yeah. sparkling wine. Okay. From California, there right. is a difference. Yes. So I don't uh, know what the difference yeah, is, Bob. Yeah. I don't know about you, <laughs> but uh, you could you could pass it off on me with that. That's fine, but. Yeah, not uh, not cutting any corners here. Yeah, my husband says the same thing. <laughs> I don't know it tastes good. Uh, we uh, will have a a live auction mm-hmm. going on and uh, fill the flight to help uh, raise funds because now it's up to what one hundred thousand dollars to send a flight with oh my gas goodness. prices and yes, wow. So uh, we just enjoy doing this and um, it's a fun event. We're going to have some neat things. Dan Cummins from the Toledo News Channel will be here to do our emceeing. And, That'll uh, be fun. Yeah. It'll be a good time. Oh, it, yeah. it is. It's always a wonderful time. You mentioned the auction, and uh, I was looking at the uh, website. Uh, talk about some of the uh, auction uh, items here. Ooh, I don't want to steal have, your thunder here, but there's some yeah, good stuff. Uh, there is a villa for 10 people in St. Lucia, I think I said that right, mm-hmm. um, that we're going to be auctioning off. That's we're, pretty cool. Yeah. It's the, a little uh, warmer there than it is here. Probably. We'll just, you know, I would hope so. There. Yeah. Just throw that out there. Yeah, since there's a pool out back of the villa, it would be nice <laughs> if you could actually use it. Yeah. Um, we're also going to have a Parisian experience dinner uh, at, Guy's with, at Guy Savoy's Restaurant. A guided tour, a private guided tour through the Louvre. 
So wow, five days stay at a luxurious five star hotel, and yeah, wow. I think it's going to be. And there's some other really really yeah. cool spectacular cool stuff. So. It is, it is. Uh, and how do we get tickets? You can this? go to the Gilmore Jason Mahler website, which is g j m l t d dot com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could call me directly at my office four one nine four two three. Four four eight one will set you up, um, but tickets are seventy dollars. But it's you know, all of the proceeds go to Flag City Honor Flight, and we've got some wonderful sponsors this year. Ohio Logistics has stepped up once again mm-hmm. as one of our primary sponsors, and and they're wonderful that they support us and uh, big supporters of Honor Flight. How critical are events like this to making what you do possible bob well i i think tracy just said we're over a hundred thousand dollars a flight now yeah you know, that's pre, pre-covid i was going to tell you it was uh 65 to seventy thousand for the aircraft wow the aircraft now is in the 85 to ninety thousand range just to charter the aircraft for the day yeah so uh our operating budget is over three hundred thousand we're doing three flights this year and our third one coming up we're two weeks away. November 1st mm-hmm. is uh, an all-Vietnam flight, and it's sponsored by Ohio Logistics. So I'll throw that plug in there, too. So mm-hmm. Ohio Logistics came forward. They understand that we have a waiting list of Vietnam veterans and mm-hmm. said, let's, let's get them to D.C. So, yeah, so, yeah it's, uh, it takes money to do this. We mentioned that this is uh, the busiest uh, year for Flag City on our flight. We've talked about that. Yes, yes. So uh, we're going to have, uh, I think, 87 Vietnam veterans on this flight. Mm. Uh, the total flight, total people will be 183, I believe, with. It's a bigger aircraft. We can put more veterans and more Guardians on, on board. So. But more expensive. But it's- more expensive. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, expenses. It's and, crazy. And there is still a a waiting list. Again, you've been very busy this year, kind of playing catch-up after COVID, but uh, there's still a waiting list, and the, the mission continues. We uh, we handle, our obviously, our World War II veterans every year with, our, with the two flights that we've had. And the mm-hmm. same way with the Korean veterans, we usually don't have a, a waiting. We get through the waiting list uh, each year with the Korean veterans. We had, uh, at the start of this season, we had over 400 Vietnam veterans mm. uh, applications dating all the way back to 2013. Yeah. So we take them wow. by uh, application date. So we're looking at those guys that put in their applications back in 2013 and are working through that. So in some cases, nearly 10 years they've yes. been waiting uh, for this. And it's interesting, you know, when, when Flag City on our flight started, the focus was on World War II veterans. And again, we talked about how they're not getting any younger and uh, it's time to make sure that they get there. You're, I mean, you think about the uh, Vietnam veterans uh, are getting up there in age uh, as well. Well, now. yes, there are 80-plus-year-old Vietnam veterans. Yeah. Uh, we don't think about it as ex- having been that long ago. Exactly. But, yeah. Exactly. The young ones are 70 years old, you mm-hmm. know, that type of thing. Maybe yeah. the late 60s, 68, 69 years of age. Mm-hmm. Um, and by protocol with Honor Flight Network, we are required to take World War II, Korea, and Vietnam in that order. So we always had we could fill planes with World War II and and Korea. Mm-hmm. So over the years, we weren't taking a lot of Vietnam veterans. They were waiting, and 
And that application uh, has kind of fallen off a little bit because the area of Vietnam veterans know that there's there's a waiting list. Yeah. So this year we've done a lot of publicity about this all Vietnam and uh, the fact that we're trying to get that list taken care of. So we started with around 400 veterans, but I can tell you we probably have 400 now because we that's, have all the new yeah, new that's applications. Yeah, that's an interesting in. point that, that you make. It's worth underscoring that uh, yes, there is a long waiting list, but it is uh, in reality even longer than that because folks haven't put their names on the waiting list uh, exactly. to this point knowing exactly. that it is so long. So. so we need more sponsored flights. We need we need people like Tracy and uh, G- GJM come forward with this wonder list. We don't do this every year, mm-hmm. um, but it's been great for us. Uh, the, the monies that we get, the donations we get uh, from that day makes it happen. Yeah. Really, really helps us out. Again, uh, this is coming up next Friday, right? That's correct. Uh, and you can get tickets now. Are there? Is there a limited number of tickets uh, for this? Or no. We're going to no. pack the place. Uh, with I would many- love to pack the place. Place. Many people as we can get, and uh, give us all of the details on the uh, tickets once again. Uh, they can go to GJM LTD, which is the Gilmore Jason Mahler website. Mm-hmm. Um, up in the right hand corner, you can uh, connect in through our events yeah. and order tickets directly through the website, or uh, give me a call at the office here in Finley, and I will happily definitely arrange set you up. to. For tickets, yeah, yes. definitely set you up. And the ticket price uh, includes the food and it includes everything. Oh, everything. Get a drink ticket, yeah. a drink ticket with it, and although bring, and then come and enjoy yourselves yeah. and bring your credit card. Yeah, bring your so check, you can, but bring your credit card yes, for the auction. So for the auction, and we also do a, a fill the flight, which is a, pa- a paddle raise to uh, for different amounts. Yeah, for those that aren't as deep in the pockets, uh, they can still feel like they're helping a, a little bit to yeah. those veterans in Washington. It is a terrific event and an awful lot of fun. The uh, Wanderlust uh, Signature event from uh, Gilmore Jason Mahler, uh, a, an evening in Paris uh, this year. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Tracy Kennedy from GJM and uh, Bob Weinberg from uh, Flag City Honor Flight with us uh, this morning. Thanks both of you for uh, dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. To a great event. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the program at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, can regular multivitamins help prevent cognitive decline as we age? take a closer look at a recent scientific study which points to an encouraging link between the two. Plus, a conversation with Craig Swartz, the Democrat, vying for Ohio's 5th District seat in the U.S. House of Representatives. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.